Okay, hello everybody, and welcome or welcome back to Tech Unraveled, brought to you by Vistacom, where we unravel the AV industry. Um, our goal here is to really go beyond those buzzwords. We're getting real and dirty with experts and thought leaders from a wide variety of sectors within Pro AV. I'm Josh Herring, Marketing Communications Specialist with Vistacom. And I'm Leanna Russell, Vistacom Sales and Marketing Manager, and we are your hosts. All right, so today is a really exciting episode. Leanna, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while. These guys are outstanding individuals, um, definitely becoming great friends and business partners for ours. So um, we have with us two guys from PECSIP. Um, Justin Longo is the channel sales manager, and Jordan Owens is the VP of video innovation. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Look forward to here. Same here. Okay, you shouldn't so, say it's going to be an excellent episode before we record this. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt with all of you. <laughs> Thanks for your confidence. Okay, um, so let's get into it. Um, we get asked a lot if, you know, PECSIP is a platform that competes with Teams, Zoom, WebEx, etc. Can you explain first kind of why not and then a little bit more about what the offering is. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. Uh, you know, we get asked the same question all the time. Uh, and, and I think it just comes from a reality that PECSIP, like a lot of the other organizations, sort of stems from the same root. Uh, we all came from the same genesis or the same family, if you will. And as a result of that, everybody just expects that we all compete together. I would tell you, not only do we not compete against a lot of those vendors, in a lot of respects, we complement and integrate in with them to help make the, the, the totality of their solutions a little bit better. Now, what do I mean by that, right? So one of our missions in the world and, and is this idea of how do we just make things work together that don't naturally work together. As the video conferencing industry has matured over the past 10 years, uh, I would argue this idea of just multi-vendor solutions ultimately connecting has become harder, not easier, right? And, and with all due respect to everybody in there, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a negative thing. It's driven by the fact that organizations like Cisco and Zoom and Microsoft have gone and expanded this idea of video conferencing into a total collaboration solution. And as a result of that, there aren't these things around underlying standards to allow everything to work. So right. we recognize that that's a problem. And so what we said is, you know what, we don't want to compete in that world. Zoom, Microsoft, Cisco, GoToMeeting, Avaya, all of these large organizations are investing millions and millions of dollars in driving this collaborative solution. They have this world covered. They solve 80, 90% of the use cases that are out there. What they don't solve directly is this idea of how do I allow a customer to migrate into this modern meeting solution and yet still leverage the equity that they've already invested inside of other collaborative solutions? whether that's video conferencing systems, whether it's other things that, you know, yeah, we'll get into later or whatever. How do, how do we continue to use those in order to connect into those and take it a step further? How does one organization center their meeting solution around one specific environment and yet still collaborate with third party organizations that may have completely different meeting environments? And how do we allow all of this stuff to work together? So, you know, in other words, you know, again, it's our view of the world is, I'm all in on customers, organizations doubling down on Microsoft Teams, on Google Meet, on Zoom, on Cisco WebEx, on you know whatever solutions that are out there. 
my interest, my, my investment, what I'm spending every day waking up and going to sleep thinking about is how do I allow those systems to continue to provide all the value that they need to have natively? And yet, how do I bring that same native application down into systems that wouldn't otherwise connect into those systems? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that video conferencing, we've been talking about it for a long time, even before the pandemic, right? Um, people were integrating all of this into their conference rooms and um, the pandemic certainly accelerated it. And now we're seeing a lot of people uh, you know, come to us and say, we really need to get upgraded, updated, and, um, you know, get on this new level that uh, the world really requires at this point. And one of the most common requests that we get is, I don't care what you do, just make it easy to use. Just totally. simplify this for me. Just make it as simple as you can for me and my users in our conference room. So, you know, how how exactly do we do that? You know, we can we can recommend a lot of things. Everyone says they're all about simplicity, but What's really behind that? Bipex, and we'll just, no, I'm just kidding. The, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. So, so you know, I'm totally with you in everything that you said there. And, and I think there's a negative connotation associated with that statement. In other words, I think when people make the statement that says, uh, as I go back into the office, and, and the reality is, by the way, that nobody's going back into the office the way that they were pre-pandemic. And that's okay. I, I actually think that's a good thing. It's, it's, it's about time that we sort of revamped the way that we work. But, but the reality is that people are going back into the office at least somewhat. But as we go back into the office, how do I bring all of the same um, capabilities, experiences, ease of use uh, solutions that I had when I was working from home back into the office? And I think as a result of that, a lot of organizations have a negative connotation that says that means I'm going to have to spend millions and millions of dollars to revamp all of my technology inside the office to meet what my home user expects. That's a flat out falsity. You do not have to do that. Don't get me wrong. There is value in migrating some of your conference rooms from a meeting-centric environment to a collaborative-centric environment, in taking big boardroom or, or large conference rooms and maybe breaking them up into being smaller uh, team rooms, in creating huddle spaces in common areas, in uh, all of the things that, you, that might actually sink money, but that doesn't mean that you have to rip everything out and start fresh. Uh, there are a number of ways that you can bring that simplicity of collaboration, that's, that, that streamlined, centralized user experience in order to do that. And I think the way that the, the first question that organizations need to ask is, is the, are the vendors that they are working with interested in truly working to help solve the problem and have a, have a belief that, that is, they're going to internalize that problem themselves or are they going to work with people that are just there to sell product and are just interested in selling product? And that's a fundamentally different question, right? And everybody's going to give you the right buzzwords, you know, to Josh, to the to how you led into this conversation. Everybody's going to give you the right buzzwords there. But there's a big difference in organizations that internalize the problems themselves and actually work to solve the problem. You know, and, and that's where, you know, from, from us personally, that's where we really appreciate and value the partnerships that we have that are out in the marketplace. And because we do look at the world through a product lens. We, we look at it through a product lens to customer problems. Uh, and we focus on what is the problem the customer is trying to solve? How do we apply that problem and then help them solve that? But we can't do it alone. We know we can't do it alone. We need organizations like Vistacom. We need organizations like others to, to help and in, help translate 
what we do from a product solution perspective into customer problem perspectives as well. And that's why, you know, organizations that team the way that, that we do, I think is so valuable because that allows us to truly internalize that problem and bring that solution set forward. And it's done through features like OneTouch Join and, uh, you know, uh, uh, things like CVI. We can get into the whole technical jar- jargon if we want to. That's not the intent. Um, but, but it's looking at use cases. It's looking at problems. It's looking at workflows. And how do we actually solve the problem around those? The technology will work itself out. The technology works, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's, it's almost like re- it's just, it just comes down to, like, reducing friction, Right for your end users who are actually going to be using this this technology, and you know a lot of times you 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 clog up your your technology to planning with with just just unnecessary factors and components, and a lot of times I think too um, there's this selling point of obsolescence, right? And that that's important. It's important to make sure that you um, are upgrading your technology when you actually need to, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything is obsolete and you need to rip and replace everything like you said before. Totally with you. Yeah. To that point, Josh, it's, it's, it's kind of about the user experience, right? Like if you think about technology that has been out there for so many years that people may have gotten used to using um, as they've been working, um, it's, it's easy for us as a manufacturer, for, for you guys as a technology partner to kind of sit in this ivory tower and say, okay, this is what I think people want. And this is how I think I'm going to make it easier for them to do their job. The reality is that's not always the case, right? As you start to, to mix environments and, and make it harder for people to join meetings or take a meeting from the office into their car as they're going to pick up their son from the soccer game, yeah. they stop using the technology, right? So we need to, we need to sometimes take a step back and think, all right, what are the workflows that the people that are actually using this stuff need? And look at the world from that perspective. So why don't you go ahead, Justin? And I think that our listeners would really find value in how Pexip is actually doing that. Like, let's dig a little deeper here. Sure. Yeah. Well, so one of the interesting things about uh, Pexip in general is a lot of the times we like to steer conversations outside of just the conference room and talk about, again, how people are using technology to augment their lives, right? So if you think about the normal person in the world, the normal buyer, and and this is within, you know, if I'm working at a company or if I'm looking to work with a company as a consumer, how are you gonna make it easier for me to live my life? Because the things I care about aren't necessarily work all the time. It's how much time do I get to spend with my family? How much time do I get to spend with my friends or whatever the case may be, but it's not always about work, right? So. Your typical buyer, say 40-ish, mom, two kids, works in an office all the time. They've gone through the pandemic, so they've been on FaceTime. They've been on Zoom. They understand video a little bit. How can I now take that little bit of technology that I have and use that to augment my life as I want to make a doctor's appointment or if I want to work with my bank, right? For me as a consumer, when I download apps or if I go into a restaurant, a lot of people use Chipotle because if I'm a mom, two kids, I can plug in, hey, I buy a burrito, my kids like the taco bowl or whatever. And that app, I can just click replay every time I want to buy that, right? So it saves me time. I don't have to think about it anymore. That's important to people. So we need to be thinking about how can people use technology and video in the same regard to, to make their lives a little bit less frictionless as they interact with companies. And people, as, they, as companies want to retain their customer base, they need to be thinking about kind of the same thing, right? How do I make it easier to do business with me as a company so that way they continue to do so? Because a poor customer experience 
you know, from that point, that's how you turn your customers away one and done. Let, let me build on that a little bit because uh, Justin, you, you raised some fantastic points in that, you know, we always, I, I think we that tend to be inside of the technology side of a, of a business, whether it's on the vendor side, whether it's on the, the partner side, whether it's on the IT side within the customer base, we tend to look at the world through a technical lens. What technology do I bring in to solve my problem? But the reality is that the average everyday user, Justin, to your exact point, they're not technologists. Exactly. They don't care yep. what has to happen behind the scenes in order to make ordering my burrito bowl from Chipotle work, right? They just want to make it easy. And, and that's true in business meetings as well. When you look at the user framing of the world, what is a meeting? A meeting is a pre-joined experience. How do I know what meeting I need to go to next? How do I very quickly, very easily do something, take some action in order to join that meeting without me having to worry about where that meeting's hosted, about who else is necessarily in that meeting, about what technology is sitting in front of me, what technology is running in the background. I just need to be able to join that meeting. Then I'm in the meeting. That's all about how do I actually interact within that meeting, right? How do I talk to the people that I need to talk to? Maybe I need to share some information or share some content or do some work within that meeting. And then when I leave that meeting, how do I then take that, how do I leave that meeting and go back to what I was doing beforehand? Because when the meeting's over, that's that's not the end of my day necessarily, to be fair, but that's not the end of my day. I have to go back to work, right? I have, to, I have other things that I need to do. And, and the role of technology is not to solve a technical problem. The role of technology is to enable that user to access that technology in a more seamless way. And that's, you know, again, we talk about features like one-touch join, right? Why is one-touch join valuable? One-touch join is invaluable because it makes a green button show up. One-touch join is valuable because it makes it super simple for a user to walk into a meeting room to know exactly what button they need to push in order to join the meeting. They press the button. They don't care what happens behind the scenes. That, that call could go through a thousand different places. They don't care. They just know that they're joining into the meeting. They know that they have a fully featured collaborative experience inside that meeting. They know they exit that meeting, and they know they get, get along and go back to their day. And it's our role as technologists to then take that from a problem perspective and then ex figure out how we want to translate that into technology that solves that problem, right? Uh, and, and so that's where, that's why, and, and again, I think that's why our approach is unique in that we aren't looking at it from, if you always buy Pexit product, it's going to be the right answer. That's not the way that we see the world, right? We see the world as how do we work with you to understand your problem, to understand your users' workflows, and then to apply those workflows in order to solve that problem. Um, which I think is just, it's just a different frame. Yeah. So, um, like it always comes back to, you're not just buying technology for technology, technology sakes. It's really about how it's used and, right. and the application and the, and the workflow. And like you said, I think it's so important. Like what you said, Jordan is, you know, making it easy prior to your meeting, making it easy to join the meeting and conduct the meeting. And then afterwards in the takeaways. And it's like, I find myself all the time, like sometimes there's friction in, in that process. And, and the, the power that connected video has to really make that a seamless process is something that it, it's truly valuable that, that Paxip offers. Um, but I, so on that point, let's kind of pivot. Um, I want to talk a little bit about security. Um, so we're having meetings. Um, we're concerned about cybersecurity, about our data being protected. Um, I think sometimes 
some of the common video conferencing platforms out there, they take a little heat for breaches, data breaches, or not having total data protection. So what's PECSIP doing to kind of plug up those holes? Um, what are they doing? What are you guys doing to secure actual conversations that people are having um, over video? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Josh. And, and, and just, to, just to kind of set this up, right, is, you know, the, the importance of secure meetings, this importance of secure conversations doesn't necessarily apply to the majority of meetings that are out there, right? I mean, you look at 90%, let's just go aggressive for a second. 90% of the meetings that we have, anybody could walk into at any time and maybe we would stop the meeting because, hey, this person isn't supposed to be in there, but meh, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But there are 10% of the conversations that we have, 15% of the conversations, whatever, that that is a life-changing, business-changing, destructive conversation if somebody walks in. Think intellectual property conversations. Think uh, acquisition conversations. Think uh, departments of defense or intelligence uh, agencies and some of the conversations that they need to have that I'm very thankful that I have no idea what they talk about uh, in those conversations, right? Uh, and, and that necessitates a completely different view of the world. It really does, right? And, and if we assume that... Those meeting services that we talked about earlier, where, you know, it's, it's about integration and it's, it's less about dominance, so to speak, in, in the Microsoft teams of the world and others. Uh, let's assume for a second that they have the significant majority of those conversations solved. There's still that 5, 10, 15 percent of the meetings that need to be solved in a different way. And that's all about locking a system down. What does locking it down mean? It means maybe deploying it in an air gap solution. If I'm a utilities company and I get a cybersecurity attack. I need to cut off complete access to the internet. Well, it's really hard for me to use a cloud-hosted collaboration solution if I've cut off access to the internet, right? So how do I deploy something within my own security barrier that is behind my firewall that I can use for those emergency meetings? Maybe I'm a Department of, of Defense or an intelligence agency, and I have to have a truly air-gapped environment. I need to run on a network that does not have any route whatsoever to the internet, cannot get there, no matter what I do. I need to have a collaborative meeting solution that is separated from that type of an environment. Maybe I need to look at the world through a uh, through a business continuity lens on maybe my access to my main meeting platform goes down for whatever reason, not throwing any stones on any system, but it goes down for whatever reason. And But I, as a business, need to continue to operate. How do I have access to a secondary meeting solution that provides complementary experiences in order to provide that? You know, and we, we certainly have some super, uh, super cool products that be able to do that. But, but if you look at it from a technologist perspective, that necessitates that I look at a complementary solution uh, that, that is designed around those things. Maybe that's an on-premises deployment. Maybe that's a self-hosted, dedicated deployment that I run within my own cloud. Maybe that's a private, single-tenanted environment that gives me the control to choose where it exists, who has access to it, the people that do have access to it have access to it at the right times and in the right ways. And yet it still works with all of the different meeting services, with all of the different uh, meeting room solutions, with all the different clients and, and user experiences that I have that don't require my end user to have to download a completely different app and go through a completely different workflow in order to access that meeting. That's a key thing into that environment, right? And, and, and it's important to look at organizations and, and, and solution providers that look at the world through that lens and know 
that it is only a segment of my meetings. It's not going to be all my meetings, and that's okay. But those meetings are still important, do still need to happen, and need to be supported in the right way. Yeah, and, and something that Jordan said in the beginning, and it's true, is is people have 80% of the meetings use cases. They have it nailed. People know how to do it. They're good there. We're talking about the, the 10 to 20% of meetings that need that little bit of extra security. And, and it's okay for an organization to have both. It's okay to use your Teams or your Zoom or your WebEx or whatever for most of the communications that you're doing within your organization. But when the conversation is important and you're talking about your company or your organization's secret sauce and it's proprietary, you have to have a little bit more security within those 10% or 20% of meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how about when we go beyond the conference room? There is so many other ways that video can augment what we all do on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, this world has become so much more digitized in the last couple of years. And there is this gap that I think video can fulfill um, even more than it's doing now between the physical and digital interactions that we all have. Um, a prime example um, that Visticom and Pexip have recently partnered with is in the healthcare setting with the telehealth initiatives that a lot of hospitals are, um, you know, grabbing onto. And, um, you know, we recently did something where we are connecting uh, virtual care for patients in hospitals through video. And it's been really, really impactful. So, kind of talk to me guys about some of the more innovative ways that video is being used outside of that conference room space, because I know you guys do it well, maybe better than anyone I've seen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you, you know, so, so, so building on, on that premise, right? I mean, so we, we talked for the first, you know, few minutes here, we've talked about this idea of business communications, right? Internal business communications, B2B communications. And, and, and we can make the assumption based on that conversation that, okay, that problem has been solved. We've solved that problem. It works. Organizations are using it every single day. They're using it en masse, uh, and they're communicating more effectively internally in order to solve that problem. So let's assume that problem is solved. You can also then flip the coin and say, well, what about consumer communications? Well, that problem at the end of the day has also been solved. And it's been solved in some respects. It's been solved using similar tools. In some respects, it's been solved in, in completely different tools like FaceTime and others. But, but, but that world has also been solved. And so we can, we can assume that there's really no value to be created there. There's a massive gap in the middle, right? How does a business talk externally in a value-add manner to its customers, its partners, its suppliers, where you're tying this idea of communication and collaboration to a revenue line item rather than to a cost line item? Right. So, so how do I, how do I make more money? How do I do more with less? How do I, how do I, how do I use my, how do I leverage my business in a different way by using video? Right. B2C communication is, is the buzzword, but, but it's more than that. Right. Cause it could be just advanced B2B or whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and to your point, right. We, we do a ton there. Uh, we're super excited to be partnering with Vistacom in, in the telehealth space. Uh, you know, I would make the argument that, that inside the pandemic, the healthcare vertical is really the only vertical that got it right with regards to using video in order to trans transition from an in-person experience into a virtual experience. 
you know, there's a lot of really good, elegant use cases. And now, I mean, granted, now the healthcare organizations are taking a little bit of a step back, refining and, and sort of re-releasing. And that's fine. That's natural. That's organic. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but they got it right in terms of we need to use video in order to further what we're doing during the pandemic. But that's just one specific vertical, right? There's a million other, uh, others that are out there, whether it's judicial, whether it's financial services, whether it's retail, whether it's consulting, whether it's insurance, whether, you know, any one of a million different verticals that are out there. And I think as we start to go forward now, we believe that there's a massive opportunity to, uh, to, to affect that space. Um, uh, and, and we're super excited about it, right? But, but I think, to, you know, to your exact point, is video can play a dramatic role in this, right? Because these are interactions, these are high value interactions where face-to-face -face communication makes a, a dramatic difference, where, where this idea of, of connecting on at least somewhat of a personal level, maybe not as good as in person, but not as bad as on the phone or over chat, makes a difference in that type of an interaction. And, and you know, like I said, we, we have a, a lot of different opportunities inside that space. If you look purely at the healthcare, right, to your point, uh, this is all about how do we allow a hospital to do more, more efficiently, to reach more patients, to better diagnose those patients, and to better steer those patients to the next steps. And those next steps may come in person, but I can do a lot more with video in order to be able to do that. And again, other verticals that can solve that same problem too. Yeah. And I just want to add real quick, I think that in today's economy, the business climate is extremely competitive like we're seeing right now and one of the best ways that any company can differentiate themselves is the customer experience and customer engagement and video plays a huge role in that that i think is um uh, underutilized right now Agreed. um are, are have you seen some uh some creative ways that that people are doing that using video I, i'm sure you have and what does that look like yeah 100 i you know i i would be lying to tell i'd be lying if i told you i think we have that problem solved to be candid uh you know i think there's a lot of challenges that we're still overcoming i think there's a lot of things that we still need to do and we'll probably get into a few of those but we have seen some really good creative solutions and, and where i would start with that is uh you know there's two different types of uh call it customer acquisition uh, that, that is important to organizations, scheduled customer acquisition and ad hoc customer acquisition. So let's, let's work through those two very quickly, right? And, and you can apply these cross vertical, right? So if you think about it, let, let's go with schedule to start with and let's think, uh, high value retail, right? Maybe that's kitchen design or closet design. Maybe that's, uh, you know, something where you want to create a customized retail product that will be consumed by that individual. Well, that's a that's a process that happens over multiple steps. Nobody walks into a salon. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but very rarely does somebody walk into a single store with a single interaction and say, you know what? I need a brand new kitchen and we're going to design it right now. And we will never talk again until uh, until I redesign my kitchen at some point, 15 years down the line. That is a multiple interaction type of a uh, type of a discussion. So then how do I then schedule and, and handle that interaction? And that's going to be a combination of video combination of audio, combination of maybe chat from time to time, you know, sharing designs and a combination of in-person because you want to come in, you want to touch the things that you're buying. You want to see them. You want to see the quality of the material, the thickness of the granite or, or whatever the case may be. 
And so how do we have a scheduling system that is embedded into the workflow that I want to use to interact? That could be as simple as a website, right? But embedded into that workflow that I want to use to interact within that customer. How do I then use that to steer those interactions with a customer where I, the, the manufacturer, the designer, have ultimate control over the schedule, but I give power to the end user to choose how they want to fit within that schedule, uh, and yet give that that end user also the ability to choose how they want to interact because there may be some interactions where I, I definitely want to meet that person in you know face to face. There's some where you know what I'm traveling, I'm going to be driving. Audio is good enough because we shouldn't be doing video while we're driving. Those types of things, right? So how do I give that that interaction to the user and again embedded into that workflow? And then how do I also then embed all of those interactions and log that data so that I, the consultant or the organization can put the story together of these interactions so that I can make sure that we're maintaining pace and we're moving the, the opportunity along as well going forward. So that's kind of that idea of scheduled interaction. Hopefully that, that makes at least somewhat sense. Then there's the idea of ad hoc interaction. Think, uh, you know, you could, you could reapply this into healthcare, but let's go outside the healthcare world for a second. Let's think technical troubleshooting. Uh, I'm running into an issue with my computer. I need to talk to a, to a real-time consultant, and I want that consultant to see exactly how I wire things up. And so video is going to be an important part of that, and it's going to be mobile video where I'm going to just call into a help desk, and I want that help desk to be able to see what's going on, whether it's in my screen, whether it's with the hardware, whatever the case may be, and I need to be able to have video as a part of that. And that's, that's nothing more than video enabling a contact center. Now, to the customer, that's important because it's on demand, right? I don't want to schedule this interaction. I'm having this problem right now. I want to talk to an expert right now. I don't want to wait three weeks in order to get there. But to the organization, that needs to be embedded into the systems, into the tools that they that they want to already use to get there. So the existing contact center solution that they're using today, they want to leverage things like sentiment analysis, transcription, automatic recording, so they can keep a log of that and embed that into, again, that embedding it into their workflows, embedding it into the way that they do business in a reactionary manner and using video in order to be able to do that, right? Well, the reality is in both of those cases, no single vendor will ever come to you, no matter what anybody says, no single vendor will ever come to you and have the perfect solution. It doesn't exist and it never will. Why? Because nuances associated with each one of those interactions are going to vary dramatically customer to customer. And it's important that you work with the tools and the systems that help solve those nuances because you, the organization, need to work the way that you need to work and the vendors need to meet you where you want to work versus you meeting them where they want to work. And so you need to make sure that you're working with organizations that bring that partnership mindset uh, to play, that want to, you know, we have a really good video tool. Well, we don't have a really good video tool that exists on its own. We have a really good video tool that embeds itself, or we have a really good contact center solution. We have a really good contact center solution that allows video tools to be embedded because we have the hooks necessary in order to be able to do that. And we both, both of those partners are interested in making sure that it works, not only now, but you know, six months down the line, two years down the line and whatever. Um, Long-winded answer to that very simple question, but, <laughs> but I think it's a really important uh, framing of that because when you look at the world through a B2C or advanced B2B lens, it's not as simple as I want to schedule a meeting, get into the meeting and go on with my day anymore, right? This is a very complex environment that is very private, very personal to the organization that owns that experience. And it's really important that they consider all the nuances uh, in order to be able to do it and, and just sort of recognize. And the challenge I throw out to the organizations out there is recognize 
there's no single ver- uh, so- single solution that will solve all these problems for you. You just sort of need to come to terms with that. It really is through a partner mindset, partnership approach that you'll solve these problems. And I've seen people introduce video into some customer engagement uh, kind of workflow. And honestly, if you do video badly and poorly, it looks even worse on you. So like you said, if it's not properly integrated and a part of your workflow, it's going to have the opposite effect that you wanted it to have. And so it makes it even more important to your point to, to have that partnership mentality with whatever video provider it is that you're working with. You get one chance to do it right with your customer. I heard Jordan say that earlier this week, and it's totally true. If your customer has a poor video experience, when you meet with them, they're not going to do video anymore. So you lost your opportunity to do it that way with your customer. And, and buying for organizations these days has become increasingly data-driven. So as you're having more video conversations with people, you're collecting more data on them. How can I increase my operational efficiency because of the things I'm learning by talking to my customers more, right? So in order to have better customer service, you need high operational efficiency, no matter what type of business you're running, because that ultimately leads to customer satisfaction. So you need to make sure that your video experience is on point. So when they come in and it's a seamless experience, they'll continue to do business with you. And that's how you get repeat customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we dove into healthcare quite a bit. Yeah, Leanna, before you go on, I wanted to touch on something. Um, Jordan, you mentioned a lot of tools and and capabilities. And um, I think a really important part of those aspects and and the larger conversation um, is how um, video communication can really solve some major staffing challenges that are going on nowadays. And I think healthcare is a good is a good um, place to talk about that because I know we're working with you guys on a healthcare solution that mm-hmm. really allows um, to bring skill sets from specialists and, and interventionists, mm-hmm. doctors, and bring them into right by the bedside or other locations throughout the broader telecommunication network, right? And that is invaluable to them. So I don't know if you and Justin maybe speak to that um, and kind of how that works on the back end with PECSIP and and that's some important parts of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, this is, I, I actually think, you, Josh, you've hit on a really important uh, point inside this space. And, and, and it, you know, actually, even further to your point, healthcare is really at the, uh, at, at leading the charge when it comes to how do we make more efficient use of very, very valuable, very controlled, very limited resources. Yeah. But this is going to be true in every vertical as we continue to progress down this path, Right. And, and video is a phenomenal way to do that. Uh, you know, imagine, for example, in one respect, you know, you can talk about specialists and, you know, we're working with organizations on uh, extended reality. So you have a first responder go out and see a patient that's just called 911 in the U.S. and all kinds of numbers all over the world and so on. But, but they, call, they call emergency services. A, an, a, an ambulance comes out and is looking at the patient. Ambulance believes, the, the first responder believes that that person's having a stroke. Well, the reality is that that person may or may not be trained 
on exactly how to respond to those specific stroke symptoms. So instead of having them necessarily be trained on, and by the way, that's just one specific ailment, right? Could be a million different things. So instead of worrying about having to train them on every specific ailment and or take it a step further, sending a stroke expert out on every ambulance just in case it's a stroke symptom, why couldn't I put a headset on as the first responder? Because I need I need use of both of my hands. So why don't I put a headset on, do a video call back to some uh, some some stroke expert that's back at the hospital, have them ask questions, evaluate the patient over video. I have full use of all of my extremities. I'm not sitting there holding a mobile phone and trying to figure out how to you know juggle all the things. I can just simply focus on the patient and have them ask questions and, and help diagnose what's going on. And whether the diagnosis is administer this medication, whether the diagnosis is just, you know, do this and then get them back to me as soon as possible, whether the diagnosis is that's definitely not a stroke, do, you know, let me connect you with somebody else, whatever, it gives them that flexibility. But I think that's just one use case, right? You look at it from other, uh, other uh, limited use cases. Language translation. I think that's one thing that's often overlooked is, you know, in the U.S., we have a little bit of a luxury of having you know, one predominant language, but also a very limited segment of uh, of other pretty popular languages here, right? Spanish and, and some others. Um, but around the world, this is a massive issue is you have people all over the world that don't speak common languages. So when I go into a healthcare setting, if I need to talk to a doctor and I speak one language and the doctor speaks another language, how are we to communicate? Well, how do I bring in somebody live that can translate between the two? where AI doesn't do a good enough job, right? There are some really good AI live translation services. I'm not taking anything away from those, but in a lot of settings, those aren't good enough because these are life-saving measures or whatever, and I need somebody that's live. How do I very quickly bring somebody in over video that can assess the situation, is trained in medical terminology where they can train, uh, they can translate stuff live. So, so again, we shouldn't just look at it in terms of the diagnostic part of medicine or, or the treatment part of medicine, but also the communication part of medicine as well. And again, that's just healthcare. All of right. that applies to retail, financial services, judicial, right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and and I'm, I'm totally with you in that video is a really elegant way that we can help solve some of those problems. Yeah. And bringing bringing in like that outside knowledge set in a situation where you wouldn't normally be able to have them if there was a challenge in, in some sort of way, I think applies to all sort of verticals, but just going back to, to healthcare, I mean, um, touching on uh, the security aspects that we talked about earlier. I mean, there's, there's HIPAA compliance that, you know, they need to meet. And so, you know, being able to, to integrate video in a secure way where patient, information is, is kept safe and secure and, and, and that kind of thing, um, I think is, is, is really important and probably applies to some other applications as well. Well, I'm totally with you. And, and, and in fairness, and, and I don't want to, I, I certainly don't want to mistreat this with any way, shape or form. And we've concentrated our conversation thus far on the idea of workflows and, and workflows are super important. I don't want to take anything away from them, but you made a, an absolutely fantastic point, which is, especially when you go into the B2C world, Security compliance certifications, right. data residency, blah, 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 you know, data sovereignty, all of those things become even more important than they do in the business world, right? Why? Because you're dealing with people in their personal lives, exactly. you know, and, and how do you make sure that you secure that information so that that individual feels safe, that they can come and they can trust you and they can be completely transparent with you with all of the things that they don't want the rest of the world to know, whether they're embarrassed by them, whether it's just none of anybody's business, whatever the case may be, that they need to have trust in the organization. Well, 
down downrange, they that organization then needs to develop relationships with providers of some type that can also meet that trust. Uh, and, and we absolutely can't ignore that need. So that's a fantastic point. You guys took the words right out of my mouth earlier about how health, the healthcare industry is just really doing it right. And I think a lot of industries will learn from it. So I would love to hear some final words from both of you on advice that you have for companies as they are starting to look out on this journey of video innovation and integrating that into their business. Yeah, I'll start and uh, I'll let Jordan close it. But I think the challenge right now is don't take things at face value and don't take things for how you've always done them, right? Good enough is is the enemy of, of progress, I think. So start to look at the art of the possible and start to figure out how can I interact with the people that work for me or the people that I'm trying to get to buy from me in a different way and how can I do so more efficiently? How can I collect more data so that way I can improve my internal processes to be a better company to work with or work for? Um, and don't think of video just... I'm meeting within a conference room or I'm meeting on my laptop because it can be a lot more than that. So the challenge really is to, again, think about what you can do, the art of the possible, work with your Vistacom team, have those conversations. We'll, we'll be happy to work with you with them. Bring us into the conversation. We can kind of talk about, you know, what what makes sense for your organization. And, and just to build on that, right? And, and Justin, you sort of captured uh, a lot of what I was going to say, but it, it, just to frame it a little bit differently, which is, you know, first of all, focus on the why, right? Why are you having this conversation? And the why is really important because a lot of companies that, that I talk to walk in and say, here's the solution I want. How do you provide it to me? And But that that's not the why, right? That's the what. And, and if you understand, if you truly understand your why, then you're open up to all kinds of different solutions that will help you achieve that why. And that, that offers us, the technology community, creativity to be able to help you solve your problem in a different way, which might end up, by the way, with not only a better solution, but faster, cheaper. It just might be different than you would have otherwise done it, right? And that's okay because we're trying to solve problems here. We're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to just sell products. So, so focus on the why. The second thing I would say is recognize that partnerships are a good thing, not a bad thing. Don't look at organizations as though they need to bring a single uh, uh, a single solution all themselves in order to solve my problem. Maybe that will solve my problem today, but as that problem evolves, as my organization evolves, as the number of ways I need to communicate with my customers evolve or my own business entities evolve or whatever the case may be, they may, they won't continue to be able to keep pace with that. That's just reality. And that's, again, that's okay. But if you work with organizations that have a partnership mindset, right, the Vistacoms of the world, the Pexips of the world, there's there's others out there as well, then you'll not only be able to solve your problems today, but know that as your problem evolves, you can continue to solve it time and time again without completely ripping and replacing everything every time. Because that's expensive, not only just in terms of money, but in terms of time and effort as well. And that's something that we all have less and less of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like I could probably talk to you both for hours, but I do think we need to respect everyone's time and wrap it up here. But um, to continue the conversation, you know, obviously anyone can reach out to Viscom at any time, but how do our listeners follow Pexip and uh, keep up with what you guys are talking about? Yeah, uh, definitely follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn at Pexip. 
Um, we're probably the only Pexip on earth. So <laughs> type in Pexip and, and you'll get linked up with us. But uh, we, we really appreciate you both for allowing us to come on and hang out with you guys for, for the last 45 minutes. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys some more soon. But thank you again for being guests on Tech Unraveled. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, you. this was great, guys. Um, all right. So listeners, uh, Leanna said it. Um, if you are interested in learning more or learning about some really exciting things that Vistacom and Pexip are working on together, definitely reach out to us. Uh, Leanna, I don't know about you, but Justin mentioned Chipotle a couple times earlier. So I think we should get Let's Chipotle go. for lunch. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Let's do that app. Let's do the easy to use app. <laughs> I'm getting hungry over here. Oh, yeah. Right, so <laughs> be sure to join us next time to unravel more tech in the pro AV world. And just remember, you can't spell, can't tech, spell unraveled tech unraveled without, without AV. AV. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>